0: Hello and welcome. It's another Books of the Year podcast from your good friends at Books of the Year. This is us and we yep. are uh, we're very happy to be here. Uh, School is back.
1: Yes, it is. This is, I mean, obviously people have been getting the podcast every week uh, through the summer, but uh, to strip back the curtain a little, this is our first podcast since the summer break, isn't it?
0: That's right. And and obviously to mark the fact that it's the beginning of autumn, outside it's... (laughs) It's it's baking. It's basically summer. Uh, Thanks very much to uh, everyone for getting in touch. Sandra via an email. Hi, lads. Mm. I hope the cruise went well, Simon, and you both enjoyed your summer holidays. I've been a listener since your very first podcast, enjoying your interviews and have listened to many of the uh, the books that you recommend. I came across Mad Honey. Oh, yeah. And remembered you talking about it on the pod by Jodie Piku and Jennifer Finney Boylan. What a fascinating story. I'd totally forgotten about the twist. I'm sure I didn't fall asleep when I listened to your interview. Mm. I mean, We wouldn't wouldn't
1: have talked about the twist, would we? I
0: wouldn't think so. No. I'm currently listening to your recommendation of Hitler, Stalin, Mum and Dad by Daniel Finkelstein. Another amazing story. I studied history A-level and have always had a keen interest in the Second World War, and I've learned so much from Daniel's book. Maybe you could recommend something a bit more (laughs) light-hearted next, says Sandra. I mean, and I have heard very good things, particularly about the... I mean, the book is amazing, but Daniel reading the book is... I find it very engaging anyway. Yeah. So that would be, uh, that's a very good audio book to have. Something lighter than that. I mean, pretty much everything is yes. lighter.
1: <laughs> well, I mad. mean, so I read, uh, one of the books I took on holiday with me was Ian Rankin's uh, Latest Rebus. And that's always, I mean, it's just great. And and you're just racing through it. You're racing through it. It's always fun.
0: And I think we both read on holiday because it was recommended on the last one we did before we went away, Everyone Here is Lying.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't read oh, that. Have you not read that? No, no, no. Oh,
0: okay, so, that one.
1: Okay, that and is that light well, it's about a kid that's gone missing. Okay, so no. Uh, right, an email from Colin then. Uh, it says, Dear Simon and Matt and producer Joe, uh, who's currently on holiday. Again? again. Yes, uh, doesn't deserve a mention, it says here. Um, I just wanted to write and say thanks for your podcast, which I've been listening to since the beginning. To date, I have read, or have on my to-be-read pile, 26 of the featured books from your podcast. I've just finished All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby, which I think is my book of the year so far. Uh, I also also have, says Colin, uh, T.J. Newman's books on order from the library. This summer, I've also enjoyed the Cassie Raven books by A.K. Turner, which I started reading through an online book club organised by our county libraries in Warwickshire. I've also just started reading The Five by Haley Rubenhold, uh, which tells the story of the five victims of Jack the Ripper. I've heard great things about that book. Um, So just thanks once again, as there are so many books I would not have read without them being discussed on your podcast. All the best, Uh, Colin Udall.
0: Uh, Colin, uh, thank you. And this is from Mike on X.
1: On X, which no one refers to it as. But
0: no, no, but the juvenile mind of Elon Musk probably Correct. is tittering. Uh, thank you, Simon and Matt, for introducing me to Steve Kavanagh. I have just ordered The 13 and looking forward to getting stuck in. Uh, and Steve gave us some great recommendations. Um, in fact, both of us and producer Joe, who's at, actually at producer Ali we have today. Correct. who's doing yes. a much better job actually yeah, than producer yeah. Joe. yeah, yeah have sought out and read L.A. Requiem by Robert Craze, which uh, was a holiday read, which is fantastic. I've Super. never read any of those books. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but some Steve Kavanagh certainly gave us some great recommendations. Please get in touch with us. Email at any time. Uh, books of the Year at yahoo.com. We're on Twitter called X at, at <laughs> Books of the Year and on Instagram and the very wholesome threads at PickAnyPage. Uh, let's talk with our international best-selling author and special guest today, Adele Parks. Okay, Books of the Year. Adele Parks is back. There is another Adele Parks book. That's why she's back. And it's called Just Between Us. Hello, Adele.
2: Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you?
0: Yes. Uh, good, thank you. Have you had a tip-top summer?
2: Do you know, I think my summer's just vanished. I don't think I've had a summer. Everyone feels like that because it's the first day we've had any sun. Um, and I've been launching and I've been busy and I uh, produced a film. So, no, I haven't had any summer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been fun. It's oh. been productive.
0: So, producing a film has meant what
2: um well during lockdown I pitched um, some of my books to a producer and thought well let's see and he optioned four of them and then I worked with him finding um, a scriptwriter and then I worked with a scriptwriter on the script and then there's all sorts of and I'm sure you guys already know all this there's all sorts of hoops you have to run jump through hoping to get a director and then cast and then hoping somebody will put some money behind it and then very suddenly in May we got the green light and we started filming at the very beginning of June because we were trying to get it done before the strike which we did and last night I saw the director's cut
1: wow I know
2: so it's been the busiest which
0: which story are we talking about that
2: was an Mm. old one actually it's called the image of you
0: so, and you've seen the director's cut, yes. so it's done and dusted.
2: No, not sorry, uh, not done and dusted. Um, the director's cut is still quite some way away. They still haven't done this. You put special effects on, music, right. there'll be, you know, um, notes, but that's why we were given it, to do some notes um, on what we think could be faster, what might work, where the story's held together, where it hasn't.
0: And Is this for TV or is it for Film, cinema?
2: Cinema. I mean, it will be streamed, but... A, the first release is a theatre release Ooh, I know yeah. well we hope let's see unless you know by the time we put the, all the special effects on and the the music on and they go no it's alright a, lo-
1: a lot of writers <laughs> that we get in sometimes have their work uh, optioned for movies but I think you're the first who's come in and said that they've had such a hands-on role in that because a lot of them just say yeah movie it's, and that they're, they're the experts they're going to deal with it I'm not going to be involved at all but you've clearly been I very think close that up.
2: is the normal uh route and that is the route I have with a number of my options um this is the first one that's been made though and actually the producer pointed out to me that nobody's ever going to care as much as I do um to to get that green light and then once you get the green light it's over to the creatives you know it is over to the the cast and the director um you know you've I'd taken it so far and obviously I'm not saying oh I produced it on my own by a long shot it was actually phenomenal for me because I learned I was learning something you know quite late late on in life after I've you know de- developed one career which I love and is my main career but I did feel ready to learn something else and um and and this has been terrific and it got me through I know it all seems ancient now but it got me through lockdown because it kept me really busy um and I was constantly zooming with the writer and he's in Hollywood and uh constantly zooming with the what I call the real production team, (laughs) the people I was learning from, you know, so yeah. I mean,
0: lockdown will come into our conversation about your book in just a moment. But um, did you find, well, okay, what, what essentially did you find the difference between writing a script for a movie and writing a script for a book?
2: Well, I didn't write the script. Um, A chap called Chris Silverstone wrote the script, um, and I polished the script and worked with him. And he is incredible and very open and and very cooperative, but I just did not have the confidence to write a script. Before I wrote my novel, my very first novel, I think I'd read, I don't know, thousands of books. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think from childhood to sort of, you know, 30-year-old when I wrote my first book, I had read thousands of books. I had read precisely zero scripts when I started on this process, so I'm just underqualified. There would be no way I'd be the right person for that, and Chris has written a number of scripts and um, has been produced and you know has, has got films out there. So what I think I brought to it was the things I love doing in my books. I brought... The sort of background to the characters and the character development and sort of the nuance of their speech, um, but for for the structure, which is very tight. Film structure is very tight. It's sort of, if it's a, a one page is a minute on screen, so there's only so many pages you're allowed. Um, you, you know, it's not a big budget film, so we were keeping an eye on locations, how that would all work out. So there was a lot of different things to think about. And it's very different to the book, um, which we agreed up front because the book that it happens to be was a bit of a hybrid. It was when I was moving out of romance into thrillers. And I think as a book that worked, but I couldn't see how that was going to work as a film because I couldn't see what genre we'd market it in. And um, so I in quite heavily for it to be a straight-on thriller because all my others are now full on thrillers Um, and that's where we went so yes if you've even if you've read the book it's going to be different because it's a very different ending
0: okay Uh, very interesting and also because and in this book and all your books there are point of view characters we hear what they're thinking yeah we hear the interior monologue in the script for a a movie none of
2: that no no and there's got to be I mean you do depend on the genius of the talent and what they are conveying, um, we had, we have really great talent, uh, Sasha Pearson and um, pa- Parker, uh, really fantastic. And they did pull out the nuance, but they wanted to talk all the time about the background, and they did read the book and you know know where they were coming from.
0: We we talked recently about Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer mm. and how much he has on his he. Close up on his face, and if you're seeing it in an IMAX, that's a very big face. So much portrayed in... You can kind of see what he's thinking because he's so expressive. Yes. You're going to need that.
2: Yeah, you absolutely are. There's a sort of a change in the eye, isn't it? A slight fraction of the eyebrow, a quiver under the eye. Yeah, the the talent to hold it together.
0: Anyway, thanks for coming in.
2: Yeah. yeah, should I talk about the book I'm here? To oh talk yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Sorry, but anyway, but that's but that's very that's it's very exciting. That's
0: very exciting. Anyway, so the new book is just between us, which is. Um, talk about a hybrid, it's a standalone book and a sequel. So they, I know. <laughs>
2: I know, just because I like to confuse my life. So just
0: expli- explain where it is and how it sits. Yeah, so... Oh, hang on. Now, Matt needs to describe the cover. Oh, yes. Um, so, I, um We need to get into, into the mood here.
1: OK, so uh, the front cover, two uh, main colours are going to jump out at you, yellow and blue. And uh, it's sort of quartered though it's not quite quartered um so in the top right hand corner we've got the uh rear view of a woman looking out uh, to see, maybe over a cliff edge uh, no spoilers um uh, but uh hair uh, is being blown by the wind and then uh bottom left hand corner is a reflection of her and then the rest of the page is taken up with what i would i, I think that's sort of the, uh, a rolling sea at night am i right sort of yes. dark dark blue yeah. and then uh, just between us is in big bold yellow uh letters in the middle but at the top Lost, missing, murdered? Question mark. And both her husbands are suspects. Uh, Adele Parks, the Sunday Times number one bestseller at the bottom, and Lisa Jewell says masterfully executed her best book yet. There you go.
0: So that's mm. so that's why I interrupted you because wow. that's um, a good
2: cover description. Oh, no, it is there we absolutely.
0: Go. People need to know exactly what's on the cover. So <laughs> let's back back, <laughs> back to that question. Standalone, but a follow up.
2: Yes. So. I do not presume that people have read anything else of mine when they come to my work. I mean, I would really hope. This is my 23rd novel. I would like to think that, you know, people have read two or three of them, but they might not have. And so I wanted it to be, and my books always are, standalone. However, the entire book came about because I had written a book called Both of You, not last year, the year before, and I had left it literally and physically on a cliffhanger, where it looked like the baddie, for want of a better word, had got away with it, and I thought that was quite interesting and a little bit how life sometimes works, and my readers did not agree with me. They, I mean, they they agreed it was interesting, so interesting in fact they wanted me to solve it, and. I had written both of you during lockdown when you will remember we couldn't even walk where we wanted to. You know, we were told how long we could go outside for, the distances we could go, what we, where we could eat, who we could mix with. So I unpurposely left this book with a level of control with my readers because I felt we were starved of control. And I thought the very optimistic types might think, well, that baddie will be caught and the X, Y and Z will happen realistic might think oh they might get away with it pessimistic think yeah they definitely will get away with it and everybody else is dead you know the (laughs) there are there's a a grade there's a range um and actually in the UK I didn't really have any kickback from that people just sort of said oh I would love to have known but you know get it and how and it was satisfying in itself I published in America and in America I got probably about a thousand emails or messages or you know, just Instagram comments saying, no, there is a follow-up, clearly. You, you can't leave it there. And I thought that was very interesting about our different way of reading, perhaps, culturally. But also, let's be honest, I looked at that and thought, well, there's a market. Mm. So um, I thought, I will give you the answer. Maybe I haven't finished And my sister actually very much wanted me to solve it for her. And since I've been telling my sister stories since I was a five-year-old, I do as I'm told when she asks. So I... Wrote a sequel, in so much as this book starts with a woman who has already gone missing. The first book is about that woman going missing. Who is she? Where could she have possibly gone? This book, we she's gone. We there is nobody, she's already, but she's gone. So we think she might be dead, she's certainly missing. She could, I suppose she could be lost. And she has left behind. Two husbands, because she's a bigamist, and that's what's interesting about her. So we discovered she was a bigamist in book one. In book two, we see the consequences of her actions via the friends and and uh, two families she's left behind. Because in most cases, when there's a missing person or a or a murder, the husband is looked at very scrutinized, and he's often responsible. And in this case, there are two husbands, and the premise is. Love is just a shiver away from hate. And these two men once loved her intensely. They've been publicly very humiliated. Um, and now they, do they hate her? Do they hate her enough to have done away with her? And it's, it's that story.
0: Just before we go into those characters, it's very interesting about the, the idea of a cliffhanger. Um, a few years ago, I emailed an editor I was working with at the time. And I said, I've got an ending for this book. And it's a cliffhanger. But books don't finish on cliffhangers. TV does. Um, books, and I was trying to think of of a book that ended on a cliffhanger, and the only thing I could think of was uh, the first of the His Dark Materials book by Philip Pullman, which doesn't really f- finish; it just stops. And fortunately, by the time I read the first one, the second one was already out. But in but in general, you don't read a novel and then think what. Sounded like Basil Brush here. You, you can't leave it there, Mr. Rodney.
2: I think it was more, um, it's ambiguous because it, it's not a cliffhanger. She, you know, I can't say too much because if you're reading the first one, but. The, she what? Yeah. Okay. The, the woman who is missing, we have discovered she's a bigger mist and she you know since i've said she's on a cliff i might as well say it. she's gone over a cliff you know right. i thought that was pretty finished for her but i think the ambiguous nature is the person who did it it looks like they're getting away with it and i think people feel uncomfortable with that there's enough that we are uncertain of in life that perhaps in our books we're looking for a little bit more certainty but as i say i think i did something different because i was in i was in lockdown and and not my normal self
0: so um who are who are the central players
2: in, in this your, in, so your story? in just between us um Kylie is the missing woman, and as when she presented as Kai, she was married to Dan, who is slightly younger than her. They had no children. Um, he's very wealthy, very handsome, comes from a Dutch uh, moneyed family. And he thought she was a devoted wife for half the week and looked after her sick mother in the north of England for the other half of the week and was a devoted daughter and he just thought she was marvellous. And the other family, the other people that are left behind, uh, her husband, Mark, who she'd been married to for 14 years and she is stepmother to his two boys who were very little when she became stepmom, and they're grown-up boys, well, tween-age boys. Now, So she's left behind Mark and his uh, sons and there's also her best friend who she's known for 20 plus years who is single and has um, you know loves her the way women can love each other Um, very very involved in her marriage to Mark. Horrified to discover she's a bigamist and that she is married also to Dan because she feels she's been cheated too and she's been locked out of one half of her best friend's life. And on top of that, we have a subplot with a woman called Stacey and her father. Stacey's in her 30s. She's had a bad brain cancer and had to undergo some fairly experimental surgery which has left her with memory issues. So she's one of those vulnerable people. This is said during lockdown, and she's one of those vulnerable people that can't mix, which isn't helping because she ought to be out there mixing with the people she used to mix with, um, picking up her memories again, etc. So she's in this peculiar void, and the two families... That the two women are connected, and the book is about what is their connection.
1: So, uh, an important thing to say um, here, Adele, is that I hadn't read uh, both of you, and I. Um, and so, it's important for people listening that, that if they're thinking to themselves, "Oh, do I have to read the other book before I read this one?" I hadn't read it, and I loved this book. So, Yay. you're you, you absolutely don't need to have read the first one to to enjoy the second one. I'm going to ask you a. Uh, given that we know kylie is a bigamist and so the two husbands we've got one rich bit of a cad bit of a bounder the other one hot though w- well yes very hot <laughs> very hot but bit of a bounder the other one uh widower two kids bit dull um so
2: genuine though genuine yeah yeah <laughs> So no you know, doubt. between them yeah
1: right so my question to you is going to be very open because it because it, it jumped into my mind about two-thirds of the way through the book How do you feel about Kylie? What do you think of Kylie?
2: Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose I ought to judge her more because she does break the law and she definitely breaks hearts. Um, I feel a bit sorry for her because actually I don't think she was getting exactly what she needed from either relationship because she wouldn't have needed to top them up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she wouldn't have needed it. I think it's true of anyone having an affair she's just taken it a step further than an affair because she has married both men but would have been ideal wouldn't it if she could have met somebody that had all the things she was looking for but perhaps she's quite realistic perhaps she's a survivor that looks at the world and thinks maybe there isn't the la 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 happily ever after and maybe we make do and this is at first, certainly for four years of her life, she managed to run her bigamy very efficiently and nobody got hurt. Um, It was quite funny, actually, because after book one, and I'm glad you said you could read it Mm. without reading. We actually were very careful. We sent to different bloggers and reviewers ones that we knew hadn't read one, the first one, and ones that we knew had, and just to see what the reviews were like. And actually, it really didn't matter, which I was pleased with and proud of but I was going to say I remember after the first book and uh, my mum said to me so Adele, similar question to yours who would you have chosen? so I'm talking to my 80 year old mum so (laughs) I said oh well obviously Mark with the children you know that's where her responsibilities were and she'd been with him the longest and you know and my mum went really because I'd have chosen the much enjoyed man which I thought was (laughs) classic and then I kind of went yeah I think he's pretty hot too (laughs) mum
0: Why did you think that you needed to know what Adele thought about her
1: character? I, I because I was wondering whether cause there was a point where I was thinking, I don't know whether I really like her a lot. I think um, I think she basically I, I, that she's she's mucked things up. And here's right, I'm going to reveal something now, and I'm going to be very very careful. There is someone I've worked with um, in the media who uh, this happened to her, where she was proposed to. And it then turned out this guy had another family. And it was it was an absolute gut punch, clearly, um, because she had no idea. And I, I, I think, knowing her experience, I then transferred everything I thought about that bloke to Kylie, where I was like, what on earth are you doing mucking up these lives? But I found myself, towards the end of the book, finding myself on her side so that's why i was why i yeah, was intrigued to I, ask you about it i,
2: I think it is interesting because certainly i mean for both of these books um both of you and just between us i, I, I you know i did a lot of research with bigamists it tends to be men mm. i mean i think biology helps there it's very difficult to have a baby if you're a woman and, and have more than one husband mm. um Although I did find one female that there was that case and actually it was really sad because her first husband was quite coercive and frightening and she couldn't get away from that marriage and she sort of had fallen in love with someone else and couldn't quite cope with her reality. And I think there's something interesting there that people at are bigamist can't cope with reality and there's usually a problem somewhere further back in their lives which is why I have a level of sympathy. And actually the first book is much more about why she can't cope with her reality because it's not a sensible thing to do. No law-breaking is a sensible thing to do. You're going to muck up somebody's life at some point. That's why we have laws. No sort of, uh, you know, affair is a sensible thing to do because you're going to muck up somebody's life at some point if you get caught. Um So I think... I think she is hard to like. I never shy away from hard to like characters. In fact, I possibly, that's what Mm -hmm. makes me like them. Because I think um, if the book was, there's this lovely person, they get up and they're doing nice things and then they go to bed. I'd be like, "Mm, that's a bit boring, isn't it? I think this complex woman who, you know, she does disrupt. She doesn't do anything that women ought to do um, is the compelling thing about her.
0: It reminded me when I was when we got to the bigger because I hadn't read the first book um, either, although I didn't appreciate that there was a.
2: You don't have to. That's great. Until that I got to the perfect. end, and then, yeah. you know,
0: um, and it reminded me of, of a story that my father told me that he in the war in the Second World War he was and I can't remember whether this is Rhodesia as it was then or in South Africa, or possibly Kenya. So I'm very vague on this.
2: <laughs> Africa. African continent. <laughs> yes,
0: he went to a wedding. He was invited to a wedding. Of a, like a friend of a friend not the whole thing just like the service and it got to the bit you know where the priest says oh does anyone goodness. know any just cause or impediment really? why these two should not be ma- married to get in a holy matrimony?" you are yeah. to declare it now and that's always a joke point point. Uh-huh. and the vicar always says oh well we yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. we can proceed someone stood up and said yes he's married in england wow, wow. one of those kind of Oh, that's that's why that bit of the service is there. Well,
2: it is. That is why. I mean, I when I researched it, that is exactly why it's there. Because before there was the internet, it was dependent on like sort of it was like an honesty bar, really. If you take it out, you put the money in. But you know, um, the paperwork wasn't what it was. I mean, I I've been married twenty years. I got married in Vegas. There's a there's a paper certificate. You're going to
0: say twenty times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just the two. Um, no, I've been. I got married twenty years ago. I have one paper certificate. I don't know if that's written anywhere you know you've only got my word for it that we mm. got married in Vegas um we came back we said we were married we both know we are <laughs> um but you know there are many many ways of of dodging that particular law and also uh, another point of course it's a cultural law because it's law here in Britain and it's the law in most of the Western world all of the Western world but it's not law everywhere across the globe so can I
0: ask you about Lockdown, because it features both in the previous book and very much in uh, in this book. And even though it's incredibly recent history, it was a reminder just, you know, from the early pages, quite how grim bonkers. life was, you know, Absolute and it, bonkers. it affects the way all your characters move. It affects the way the police investigate. You know, was there a time when you were writing maybe particularly the previous book? where you wondered, because it certainly occurred to me, what is ordinary life like anymore? Because all those ordinary things that your books and everyone else's books are full of, trips to the shops, buying a coffee, getting on a train, they didn't exist. No, and we didn't know really for limiting. certain that it was going to come back. Can I ask you just about writing in lockdown and whether this, these books are kind of permanently anchored in the events of 2021 20, 22?
2: Yeah, it's interesting because... At the beginning of lockdown, I was beyond jolly, just determined to, you know, British spirit, power through, and kept saying, well, I can't complain. It's not that different for me because, you know, I'm at home anyway and I work from home. And then I realised it was very different because the way it is for everybody because I was dependent on going out however much I might stay in and stay in my home and write all day. I used to go out in the evenings and see my friends and get input. Um... I was writing both of you during lockdown, the first book, and I hadn't planned for it to be a lockdown book. I had planned the story of bigamy and I had planned the story of a woman being abducted and then them discovering it was one woman married to two people. Um, so that's the story of both of you. That's totally spot that for anybody who's about to read it. Sorry, but anyway, I'm not out talking about that one. Anyway, I remember thinking, why aren't her husbands running up and down the streets, banging on doors? If my husband went missing... I swear I would walk the streets and knock on every door. I just don't know how I would stay, you know. And then lockdown happened and I thought, ah, well, this could be why. So I then set both of you in lockdown, not planning it. Of course, when I started writing just between us, and it is a continuation, literally starting where I left off, I thought, oh, you are kidding me. I'm going to have to set it in Lockdown, which would not be my preference. And in between, I'd actually written a book set in the south of France, which is much more my idea of fun. <laughs> um, but I thought, well, no, it has to be that. And actually, for this woman's very confined life and her tricky, secretive life, lockdown was a very helpful device. I did need to get them to, do you remember Super Saturday? Yeah. I really needed to get them to Super Saturday pretty quickly because I needed to move them around. I actually needed to move them around specifically Lyme Regis, um, where I just wanted them to to be and um, I wanted them to all have those moments where there was sort of everybody's looking for somebody else and they're passing one another and, and that sort of missed moment feeling. Um, but I still had people in masks, which again actually is quite useful if somebody's gone missing as a device. Um, I still had people couldn't mix on mass, so you you know I have a scene where they're queuing outside a library. And it's such a depressing scene. Mm, yes. It's quite a funny scene because yeah. it's so depressing because we thought that was a treat once we were allowed mm. back inside our libraries. But, you know, only two families at a time were allowed in this particular library. Uh, but it was quite a helpful device. I can't imagine I will write any more about lockdown. I feel I'm done.
1: Yeah. Uh, this isn't the um, first time you've been on our podcast, Adele. No. And And uh, I remember we weren't in this studio. I think we were in a different one in, in Soho uh, when you came in to talk about another book. And... There is something that you said in that podcast that has stuck with me ever since. And I always, I always think about it when I'm thinking about characters in books. And I had said to you in this interview, I said, I knew that this character was a badden because he was a man, he was rich, and he was good looking. And I said, in these kind of books, he's always the one you want to look at. And you came back to me straight away and said, maybe in a suspense thriller book, he's a badden. But in romantic fiction, he is absolutely going to be the one you want to you want to be around him, because good-looking rich boys in romantic fiction absolutely. So it's
2: where it's at. The the yes. reason
1: the reason why I thought about it when I was, but apart from the fact that I knew you were going to be coming in and it's stuck with me ever since, is in this book, if someone you're going out with decides to go to art college, get rid, because <laughs> bad things are going to happen. And I, I speak as someone who's married to someone who went to art <laughs> college, but I I. I basically it made me shriek out with laughter when I read that bit because I thought, oh, here's another thing that you need to look out for. Not just rich, good-looking men, but women who go to art college.
2: That's not a (laughs) generalisation I am making since I do go to uh, art classes myself in the evenings, you know. Um, No, I don't think that I'm trying to say anything specific about women that go to art classes. Um, I do think it's quite funny that I said that, and that it stuck with you. I because I've played with it a bit in this as yeah, well, yeah, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I do have a good-looking, rich, charming guy, who isn't everything he seems either. So yeah, I'll leave that one.
0: Mm, yeah, bubbling. Character. Yeah, all yeah. of your characters are not what they seem, though. That's the, that's the whole point, you know. Um, do you still interview your characters?
2: I do. Yes. This
0: again is referring to another podcast where you came on. I think you. Is this before you start yeah. writing? Yeah. You'll interrogate them?
2: I do. Um, and this is... So I sort of... Writing is my job. It's a job I love, but I've been doing it for 23 years. And I think when people meet me, they see that I sort of play it down almost. I'm like, oh, yes, I write a book a year. Let's not overtalk it. And then I tell them this story and they go, oh, no, you are quite nuts after all. And you are, <laughs> you are actually an old school writer because... I would say my main one, two, possibly three, but certainly one and two characters, I before I can write about them, I really need to know them inside out. I like to know them as well as I know a good friend. So obviously, I think everyone gets this. If you're plotting, you need to know name, age, gender, probably marital status. Do they have kids? What's the mm. job? All the, all the basic things that you know. we might tell someone in the first 10 minutes of meeting them at a, a party. But I want to know things like, um, what's your first memory? Were you a favoured child? Were you a neglected child? If you have children, do you favour one of them yourself? Um, What's the one thing you're most ashamed of? Have you ever stolen anything? So I ask my characters these questions, and and their voices start coming into my head very much as their own voice. So some of them will turn around and be horrified at the idea that I've said, have you ever stolen anything? Just sort of blushing, mortified. And then I might sit a bit longer with that and think, yeah, but you're lying to me still, aren't you? Because you kind of have. You might be upset about it, but you have done it at some point. And I'll poke a bit more. And I write all of this down. um, And I find it super useful. Not that all of this turns up in my book, because... That would be a very slow book and it would probably be the same book over and over again. But if ever I'm struggling, I might think, oh, you told me your favorite person in the world was your younger brother. That's who you should have this conversation with then. He's the only person you would tell this to. Um, Or, okay, the worst thing you've ever done is X, but now you've done Y. Where does that stack up Mm -hmm. in your you know your your shame factor and I just find it really helpful and comfortable that I know them so well because they will help me then they'll they'll support my my plot.
0: So do you go back to those notes for this so for just between us you had interviewed a lot of the characters for the previous book. yes do you go back to that just to make sure there's continuity? yes, one hundred percent because if you'd known you were going to write a sequel, you would have planted stuff in the first book, which was then relevant for the second book. But you didn't. No. So, write, so writing a sequel is not really as easy as it seems because you re- it's a cutoff point. I've read the – it's there, it's in print. Yeah. People have read it. They've reacted to it. You can't add anything in. Would you – if you were going to write them as a pair, would you have – altered the first book
2: at all? No, I don't think I would, although I did find it absolutely hilarious with Just Between Us that I realised I had painted myself into a corner. I mean, the first and very obvious thing, the thing we've already mentioned, is I had to set it in COVID again and I I really didn't want to. Um, I felt everybody was over it, Mm and didn't want to hear of it. Actually, the the reviews I've got back is people find it almost quite interesting to realise the distance that's now between then and now and actually that's quite reassuring that we have made progress so it hasn't horrified people as much as I feared but there were other things like the children were certain ages and I couldn't get around that and the houses were in certain geographies which is a real issue for a COVID set book because people can't move around as much as, you know, we had that mile radius thing that we were only allowed to do. Um, Unless
0: you were in government, obviously. And and then you do what you like. Just Just going
2: to have a party. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it was just very, I, I had written myself into a corner, but you know, that was really intellectually quite a lot of fun because it set parameters and challenges. And, that's fun as a writer. I think I'm a pretty competent writer now.
0: Can I just challenge you on that? Yeah. When you said it was quite fun, you say at the end of the book, you shouted out loud, <laughs> what kind of fresh hell is this? Yes,
2: that is my so idea of fun.
0: So that's yeah. fun, is it? Well,
2: yeah. I mean, not when you're going through it. But but yeah, afterwards you think, God, I cracked it and I did that. And it, I'm, uh, you know, my head got managed that and my characters found their way through it and... It worked and I do feel it's... it's, I agree with Lisa, it is my best book. I feel very... I feel it's complete and competent and challenging and exciting so I got there I mean I think when I screamed what fresh hell is this I didn't think I was going to get there which is a really good reminder because I'm currently at the what fresh hell yeah. is this stage with next year's book hmm.
1: at least you know you got through it first time so yeah exactly
2: um... oh well 23 times actually <laughs> oh, that, indeed. because yeah, I feel like yeah. pretty much every time
1: okay hmm. so given this is a book with lies running through it like a cigarette Blackpool Rock and obviously Kylie's lies but also other characters are lying 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 uh there is a point in the book where you say there is one thing that you can't lie about, and you have one of your characters say the one thing that you can't lie about is your your choice of music, the music you like. You will there will be something in the back of your mind that goes, "No, I don't like Brother Beyond or whoever. Um, I I like this kind of music, and I can't lie about it." And as I read that, I thought that's got to be something that Adele believes. You I can't do believe that. you can't I lie do about believe your that.
2: music, and I think I just it was about it's about uh, playlists and yeah. Yeah, so Kylie very successfully when she was a bigamist had separate wardrobes. Obviously she had separate husbands, she had separate homes, she had separate art on the walls. But there comes a point where I think she'd have had the same playlist though. She just really would have had the (laughs) same playlist. Um, And I think that's because my music tastes are tragically personal. They're so, they're so not, nobody else thinks my music taste is cool.
0: (laughs) But
2: I do. Well, I think this is my only cool thing. I am a Swifty. I mean, I really am a Swifty, so that's a good one. Um, Close second is Shirley Bassey.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Okay, good, good.
2: I feel we're... we're, I walked down the aisle to Shirley Bassey, actually. Goldfinger? No. I'm I'm seeing lots of reasons why that's wrong. But no, it was... Hey, uh, big spender. (laughs) No, but actually, they're all very Vegas songs, aren't they? Um, No, who else do I like that I? I didn't like the eighties like that. Every so, I'm you know I'm fifty four year old. I should have liked the eighties. I grew up in the eighties. Everybody else liked the 80s. Everyone I've ever dated liked the 80s, except when I married Jim and he didn't like the 80s either. And I remember thinking, oh, thank God, I'm not going to have to pretend. And I'm not going to have to go to horrible 80s revival discos or anything like that. (laughs) And I felt that was possibly one of his biggest selling points. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I like Cara Diamond. I like uh, Emerald. You see, I can't even say her name. Cara Emerald. I um, I like songs where I'm really interested in the lyrics. I think that's pretty natural for a writer. Um, yeah, so I'm tragically uncool, except for Swifty. She's made me cool. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, two two other points um, I just wanted to mention, just throwaway points. Your son has read this book? No. Oh, I thought that... <laughs> you, make re- you, you make reference to him having
2: read the book? I uh, from... read one of them. Yes. He's finally read one oh, yeah, of it's, them. It's not this one. The yeah, one no. Oh, right.
0: But no. you were quite thrilled that he liked it.
2: Yeah. Or didn't hate it. He's finally read one of my books. So we're on book 23. (laughs) He's read my second book that I wrote, which was called Game Over, which is um, a rom-com, and he thought it was hilarious. And then I said, oh, you should try this one next. And he got a bit in, and then he went, no, I'm all right. No. I've read one of your books now, (laughs) Mum. I got an MBE, and he said, I've done it because you got an MBE, and I thought, you must be quite good. There's just children for you, isn't it? Adult children. It's like, I thought you must be quite good. So I read it, and you are. We could tell you was like, yeah, but you're still my mum mm. and not that interesting as such.
0: And here's it, it, just a very small observation, which uh, which I, my main takeaway from this book is that the pig hotel in Coombe is a very nice place to stay. <laughs> and you have clearly stayed there and wanted to incorporate their bar in it in some way.
2: And, you know, I was back there last week. There you go. Yeah, so okay. last week I went to Lime Regis to sign books at the, because it's also set in Lime Regis, at the Little Independent there. And then we went back to the Pig Hotel. And, um, yeah, I'm going to do a reel on that beautiful bar. Yeah, we uh, the Pig Hotel was the first place we went after lockdown. So I think it will always be, I mean, it's basically the Maldives in my head. Because mm. it was the post-lockdown place. It's you know? the last
0: place we went to before lockdown. Oh, wow. And we had this conversation, which is, should we even be be here because this thing is coming, and so I assume... So, so, anyway that's why I picked up. Yeah, but bit.
2: actually, it's better nice to stay there probably because it's quite small and yeah.
0: Apart from that, they closed. <laughs> yeah. as yeah. as indeed did everyone. So where are you in the for, for the next book? Because you talked about fresh hell. Yeah. So this is the bit we. I'm you on ninety five
2: thousand words. So I have about six more thousand words to do. So. Normally, this is the fun bit, you know, you're really running at the end. But because I'm also launching, my head's just full of too many things. It's full of just between us, a little bit of um, both of you. Um, it's full of the next one. And annoyingly, Book 25 has started going, knock, oh. knock, I'm here. And I'm not saying to it, could you just go away, please, till October? And then I'll talk to you.
0: And there's not going to be any COVID in it.
2: There's definitely no COVID in it. Um, it's uh, uh, Yes, it's... Everyone's running around everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Adele Park's book is uh, just between us, as I think you might have gathered. There'll be another chat with uh, Adele very shortly uh, with our uh, Q&A, which will be with you in a few days for the moment. Adele, thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much. Lovely to be here.